well after hearing what I just heard from Brother Turner, um, he said he wasn't a preacher. I'm kind of afraid to say I am because <laughs> I don't know if I can do that good. And him not a preacher, and I'm thinking, my Lord, we're in trouble. And I've got a little wing up here, y'all. I don't know what that is. Do I need to move this thing? Now, y'all need to understand, I'm country's grits, y'all. So uh, if I have to slow down or maybe speak up a little bit faster for you that are from the Mason, above the Mason-Dixon, I'll try my best to make myself understood. No, the Lord's been good to me. I was saved at the age of 13 years old. Um, didn't know I was lost. Had a man come up to me and say, well, he said, Freed, and my name is Freed, F-R-E-E-D, last name Ware, W-A-R-E. He said, Freed, have you ever thought about being lost? Need to get saved. And I said, no. And I hadn't. But God the Holy Ghost touched my heart, convicted me of my sin. And I was lost. Lost. I mean, lost. For a whole year, I was lost. Why were you lost for a whole year? Because you couldn't get saved in our church except the first week in June when we had a revival meeting. I'd never seen anybody get saved any other time. So I was lost for a whole year. Scared to death I was going to die and go to hell. And if I'd have died, that's where I'd have went. 13 years old. But thank God on Friday night, June 11th, 1965, I got born in the family of God. Everything changed. Everything changed. You said, well, you mean everything changed. If you're not changed, you better check up. You may not be there. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. God changed me and made me a different person. Then I had the, I went to church. Started, well, I've always been in church. I started church nine months before I was born. The only reason you wasn't in church is you were dead or on your way to the hospital, one of the two. We were in church. Then I had a pastor that had the audacity to preach that God has a will for your life. I'd never heard that before in my life. I thought, how strange. My life? Maybe the pastor's life, sure. The deacons, maybe, yeah, maybe a Sunday school teacher, but me, just a teenage guy in church? And I started praying, Lord, I'm just a young man. I'd like to know what your will is for my life. I do not know, Pastor, how many times the Lord called me, but I do know how many times I heard him. You know, a lot of times God talks to us and we're so busy, we don't listen, or there's so much noise around us, we can't hear him. Amen. I don't know how many times he called me, but I know exactly how many times I heard him. Once. And he said, I want you to preach. I was the ripe old age of 18. 
I thought, dear Lord, I'm just a young man. What would you have me to do? I'm just young. I want to know your will. It's my life. And it's just like the Holy Spirit said, there's no use you asking me again if when I tell you, you won't obey me. I said, that makes sense. And I surrendered to preach at 18 years old. If God lets me live the next month, Pastor, I've been preaching 53 years. That don't mean I'm any good. It just means I've been preaching 53 years. I mean, they had to ship me off to Haiti. Amen. The Lord had to send me there. At the age of 25, married two kids. Uh, God called me to preach. I mean, God called me to the mission field. We left a, a, a big congregation of 50 and went to Tennessee Temple University. Never forget my first day there, my first chapel service. We didn't have to fight to get a seat at my church. But when you got Tennessee Temple, there's over 5,000 students. We had to fight to find a place to sit. And I got way up in the balcony right in front of the pulpit. And Miss Elgin Smith got up to sing. And Miss Elgin Smith sings or sang, I don't know right now, operatic, very operatic. And she was doing that, no, I was going. (laughs) And when she got through, everybody around me said, amen. And I said, what did she say? (laughs) And then one guy looked at me and he said, can't you tell she's got a trained voice? I said, sure, you can't scream like that without practicing. I guarantee you, you know. I mean, I'm an I'll fly away guy, you know. And God let me squeeze three years into four and go to the mission field. Amazing what God do if somebody just let him. Amen. I mean, send me to Haiti. Now, I'll be honest with you. Where I lived in North Georgia, the booming metropolis of Blue Ridge, Georgia, there weren't but maybe three or four of the Negro race that lived in our area. And God has so changed me. He sent me to spend the best years of my life in one of the pl- in, in a place that's 99.99999% black. And we just loved it. Loved it. I was so afraid the Lord was going to come back while I was in college. I knew where I was supposed to be. The very day when we flew in, January the 5th, 1981 for our first term on the mission field. When I got off that plane, I looked around and I said, all right, Lord, you come now. I'm where I'm supposed to be. You say, you're crazy. Let the Lord call you a mission field and you'll know what I'm talking about. Puts a love in your heart for people that you don't even know, can't even converse with. You don't know their culture. You don't know their language. Mais me. That's terrible. But boy, when I got there, I knew that's where the Lord wanted me to be. I knew exactly. I was in the perfect will of God. I want to try to preach to you if the Lord will let me settle down just a little bit. Now the book of First Chronicles, if you would, please. I thought you might want to know just a little bit about me. My darling wife is here with me. I appreciate my wife so much. 
We've been married 140 years. <laughs> We've been married 52 years. I told her, I said, honey, you marry me and I'll show you a life of adventure. She told me the other day, I've had about as much as I can handle, y'all. It's about enough. I mean, we're in our 70s now. It's kind of slowing down a little bit. I want us to read 1 Chronicles chapter 13, if you would, please. And if you would, would you stand just a moment because I won't preach over an hour and a half. I heard somebody say, mm, over here. <laughs> and David consulted with the captains of thousands and hundreds and with every leader. And David said to all the congregation of Israel, if it seem good unto you, and that it be of the Lord our God, let us send abroad unto our brethren every, that's two, two page, everywhere that are left in all the land of Israel and with them also to the priests and Levites which are in the cities and the suburbs that they may gather themselves unto us and let us bring again the ark of our God to us. For we inquired not at it in the days of Saul. And all the congregation said that they would do so, for the thing was right in the eyes of all the people. So David gathered all Israel together from Shahor of Egypt, even unto Hemath, to bring up the ark of God from Kirjath-Jerim. David went up and all Israel to Belah, that is, to Kirjath-Jerim, which belongeth to Judah, to bring up thence the ark of God, the Lord, that dwelleth between the cherubims whose name is called on it. And they carried the ark of God in a new cart out of the house of Abinadab. And Usa and Ahau drove the cart. And David of all, and all Israel played before God with all their might with, and with, string, with singing and with harps and with psalters and with tim, timbrels and with cymbals and with trumpets. When they came into the threshing floor of Shadon, Usa put forth his hand to hold the ark uh, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Usa. And he smote him because he put his hand to the ark. And there he died before God. And David was displeased because the Lord made a breach upon Usa. Wherefore the place is called Perez Usa unto this day. And David was afraid of God that day saying, How shall I bring the ark of God home to me? So David brought not the ark home to himself to the city of David, but carried it aside in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. And the Lord, and the ark of God rather, remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house three months. And the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had. Father, thank you for this privilege of being behind this pulpit again and opening your word of God. Pray that you'd help me as I preach. Help me not say anything I shouldn't. Then, Lord, give me enough courage to say everything that I should. Speak to our hearts. I yield myself as an instrument of righteousness to you, Lord. Bring about that to be pleasing to you in this time. Touch hearts. Somebody here lost, save them. Somebody discouraged, encourage them. And touch our hearts together. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. If we look at the timeline in David's life, we see that Saul and Jonathan have been killed. David has been made the king over Judah, and after some years he will be made the 
king over Israel too and reunite the kingdom. We can see some very important things in David's life as you read through this portion of scripture. His popularity has been established. David has killed his 10,000 while Saul only his thousands. His prowess in war has been exhibited. Everybody knows the name of David is on everybody's tongue. But here in this part, his piety is being exposed. And David said to all the congregation of Israel, If it seem good unto you, and that it be of the Lord our God, let us send abroad to our brethren everywhere that are left in all the land of Israel and with them also to the priests and the Levites which is in their cities and suburbs that they may gather themselves together unto us and let us bring again the ark of our God to us for we inquired not at it in the days of, at, uh, at it in the days of Saul. And all the congregation said that they would do so for the thing was right in the eyes of all the people. If it seemed good unto you and be of the Lord our God. And the thing was right in the eyes of all the people, verse 4. Sounds to me like David who just got through reading the purpose-driven church because God has never taken opinion poll from man to find out what he needs to do. God is God. You don't make God Lord. He is Lord. I mean, God is God and he's the Lord. Ah, David, I thought in my mind when I read this passage of Scripture, what are you about to do? I call your attention to some other important facts in this. And number one is the fault of Israel. Now, what are they going to do? David went up in all Israel and they're bringing the ark of the covenant of God home to the tent that David has prepared for them. And they carried the ark, if you would look in verse number 6 and verse number 7, and they carried the ark of, uh, of God in a new cart out of the house of Abinadab. And Usa and Ahau drove the cart. We see they had a, a good motive because they wanted to uh, have the worship that they had once had. There's nothing wrong with that. But they didn't do it like they were supposed to do it. They put the Ark of the Covenant of God on a new cart. And let us bring the Ark of God to us, for we, for we acquired not of it all the, the days of Saul. I'm sorry to say, but the days of Saul sound a lot like the days in which we live. People don't inquire of God whether something is right or wrong. I'm afraid there's lapses even in our lives when we don't inquire of the Lord like we ought to. I believe one of the most unused privileges a saint of God has in this year is the very fact that we don't pray like we ought to pray. We don't inquire of God. <laughs> How long has it been since you got in your prayer closet and called out on the name of God and stayed there till you got an answer from the other end. Oh, friends, they had inquired not at all of it in the, in the days of Saul. So they had, a, they had a good motive. But the fault of Israel was they didn't do it like they're supposed to. They had imitated the Philistines. The fear of David, look if you would please. 
I'm not sure. But maybe David had some things he needed to get rid of before the ark came to him. Because you see what happened? And when they came unto the threshing floor of Shadon, Uzzah put forth his hand to hold the ark for the oxen stumbled and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah and he smote him because he had put his hand to the ark and there he died before God. And David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah. Look at verse number 12. And David was afraid of God that day saying, how shall I bring the ark of God home to me? Maybe David had some things that weren't, try, uh, weren't quite copacetic in his house. Maybe there's some things that made him doubt, well, if just touching the Ark of Covenant would cost Uzzah his life, I'm afraid that the things at my house might be a little bit different. I might better just wait a minute about this. You see, they used the wrong method. Now, you can read about that if you want to in 1 Samuel chapter number 6. And you'll see where they got the idea of the new cart. He put his hand to the ark. You know what? The church is not supposed to go to the world to set our standard. Well, everyone is doing it does not make it right. (coughs) Well, such and such, it doesn't matter what such and such has. Or does when we have the word of God as the preacher preached this morning. It's already settled. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever seen the little bumper sticker. I owe, I owe, it's off to work I go. Well, I owe, I owe, it's off to work I go about the Lord. Amen. We're supposed to work for the Lord. And, and, and you've seen the one that says, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Wrong. God said it, that settles it. You don't have to believe it, but it's still truth. In the world, we're, the churches now are, uh, so many churches, are getting their standards and their mode of worship, etc., from the world. Our biggest problem is we're embracing their philosophy in our churches today, not to carry on God's business. It may have seemed trivial to David to put that ark on that cart. It may have seemed trivial to Israel to do it. But I can tell you who it wasn't trivial to. And that's God Almighty. And it's not trivial now to Uzzah because he's dead. Amen. So David, afraid of God. (coughs) So David brought not the ark home to himself to the city of David. But carried it aside to the house of Obed-Eden the Gittite. And the Lord God remained with, and the ark of God remained with the family of Obed in Edom in his house three months. And the Lord blessed the house of Obed and all he had. You see, there might have been some indifference in the people of Israel and putting it on a new cart. There might have been some indifference in David letting it be done that way. But there's a different man that had to have a catastrophe to get his eyes open. You see, if you'd like to, you can read in First Chronicles chapter number 15 where David goes to the Word of God and finds out, hey, 
you know, there is a way we're supposed to do this. And, and, and it's the Levites is the only ones that are, that are supposed to touch the Ark of the Covenant or supposed to even have anything to do with it. You can find that in Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse number 8. We see the terrible result of, of trying to do things our way or not following the clear expressed will of God. But when the death of Usa took place, David was so shocked, he turned aside with the Ark of the Covenant and left it in an unknown man, unknown to us before this point, named Obed-Edom. He left the Ark of the Covenant in his house. The Ark of the Covenant of God was a symbol of the power and the presence of the Lord. The Philistines even knew that when they brought it into their camp. When the Israel brought it into their camp and the people cried a great cry because it was there, they knew they were in trouble. So David leaves it because he's afraid of God in the house of Obed-Edom. David was not prepared for the presence of God in his home. Now we're introduced to this man, Obed-Edom the Gittite. He was different. I believe Obed opened his house without fear, knowing that the ark of God was savor of death to death to those who only treated it wrong. And the same hand that had punished Usa by taking his life, guess what it did? It blessed Obed-Edom and all that he had. I'm telling you, we're in a time now when we need some people to stand up and take leadership in homes. Our homes are going to the dogs. My heart is broken. Do you know some 7, almost 8% of the young people that are raised in independent fundamental Baptist churches leave our churches never to return? Never, that's eight, almost eight out of ten, never return. Why in the world are they leaving to never return? There's something that we're lacking. We can come to the house of God and sing praises to God and worship our blessed Lord, but I wonder what it's like when we go back to the house. Amen. 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 Yeah, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. I got a dollar I'll give you after service. It would do us good. It would do us good to look at ourselves and wonder and honestly say, how many times have we been in our own homes and in our own homes, our children that follow us because our children follow you. I don't care who you are. Your children follow you. You take a foster child. They want to go back to mom and daddy. It don't matter if they've been beating on them. It don't matter if they've been mistreating them. They want to go back because that's mama and daddy. How many times has it been in mama and daddy's house in your home to where you realize that the power and the presence of Almighty God is not only in church, but it's in our house also? Oh, church, if your God is only at church, you don't ever expect to have your kids follow you. If your religion is church-bound and it's not 24-7, 365 days out of the year, they will see through that like they see through a looking glass and you'll never have your children. Our problem is we're leaving our children and we're having our services at church and, boy, it's got quiet, hasn't it? 
and we're saying hallelujah at church, but we go home and there's not enough God in our home to where we can say hallelujah at home also. My heart is broken. When the power and the presence of God came into Obed-Edom's house, everything changed. The Bible says, and the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had. When the power and presence of God comes in your house, it'll change your house. Business picks up. I kind of believe that when the power and the presence of God in the form of the Ark of the Covenant came in Obed-Edom's house, I believe his children obeyed better. I believe Sister Obed maybe even lost a few wrinkles and got to looking a whole lot better. Amen. I believe the chickens started laying double-yoked eggs. Thank God if they did now because, man, the eggs are a terrible price. The lamb, the sheep started having twins. I mean, business picked up down at Obed-Edom's house because the Bible says the Lord blessed everything that he had. You see, when the power and the presence of God moves in, things change. And because of time constraints, we move forward in the action. We're now close to three months later. We're in chapter number 15 now. David made his house in the city of David and prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched for it a tent. And David said, None ought to carry the ark of God but the Levites, for them hath the Lord chosen to carry the ark of God and to minister unto him. Thank you, David. Just a little late and a cost of a man's life but thank you for coming there. And look and skip down just a little bit to verse number 11. And David called for Zadok and Abathar the priest and he got a bunch of those other guys that's hard to pronounce. Uriel, a, 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 not Isaiah, but Asiah and Joel and Shimei and Eliel and Abimadab and said to him, you're the chiefs of the fathers of the Levites. Sanctify yourself, both you and your brethren, that you may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel in the place that I have prepared for it. For because you did it not at the first, the Lord God made a bridge upon us, for we sought him not after the due order. In other words, there's ways to do things. So the priests and the Levites sanctify themselves and bring up the ark of, of the Lord God of Israel. And the children of the Levites bear the, uh, the ark of God upon their shoulders with staves their own as Moses commanded according to the word of the Lord. Everything is in place now. They're moving the ark of the covenant just like they have. They're taking it out of the house of Obed-Edom now and moving it up to the tent that the uh, King David has set up for it and things are happening. So this is the way it's got to be done. But if you look in verse number 16, and David spake to the chief of the Levites to appoint their brethren to be singers with instruments of music and psaltery and harps and cymbals and sounding by lifting up their voice with joy. And David sends out these Levites and he says, what I want you to do is I want you to go out and find some singers. We're going to move the Ark of the Covenant and we're going to have to have some singers. And as they're looking out, this is, this is Freed's revised version, okay? As they're looking out, 
they come across in a community and they're looking for singers. And somehow there's a fellow that hears about him and says, uh, hey guys, what, what's going on? Their response probably was, the king has said that we're to appoint singers to sing down at the ark and it, where it's going to be. And there's a fellow heard about it and his name is Obed-Edom. And he said, where did you say? He said, well, it's down there at the tent that King David has set up for us that it's down there is where we're going to uh, have this uh, singing. We need folks to sing down there for it. Oh, it'll be down where the ark is, yes. Well, man, I got to have part of this. What do you mean, Obed? Well, I got to be a part of this. Uh, I'm not one really known to sing, but you've got to realize I've experienced the power and the presence of God in my house for the last three months and things have changed. I mean, God has moved into my house and he's given me a new song in my heart and changed me completely and things are different down at the old bed house and I want you to know if there's going to be some singing done down there, sign me up. I want to be there because I want to be anywhere the power and the presence of God is because God has put a new song in my heart. He's changed me and made a difference in me. When God moves in your life, when God moves in your heart, when God moves in your house, it'll make a difference in your house. And Obed says, yeah, if that's it, he said, <clears throat> now y'all, I'm a preacher, not a singer, okay? <clears throat> Like a blind man I wandered, so lost and undone, a beggar so helpless, without God or his son. Then my Savior in mercy heard and answered my cry, and oh, what a difference since Jesus passed by. And let me tell you, it'll be a difference when Jesus passes by. When the power of God comes home to you, it'll make a difference. And Obed says, I'll sing. You want to pass out? You want to see your pastor pass out? Lord help if you do. But anyway, if you, you just go and ask, say, preacher, you got anything I can do? Is there just anything I can do? Yeah, amen. He tried his best to explain to them what a difference it's made since the Lord come down and the power and the presence of God got in his house. But wait a minute. Let's look just a little bit further. I imagine the way things might have taken place. The Levite was in charge of sending out, being sent out again. He said, we need some musical help. I believe Obed said, uh, did you say musical help? Yes, Obed, we need somebody to play the harp. Play the harp. Oh, incidentally, if you didn't get it, down in those singers, uh, you'll look in verse number 16, go down to verse number uh, let's see, where's that? You'll find Obed's name in that whole bunch right there. If you just keep looking, you just keep looking right there in verse number 18, you'll find Obed's name. Now they're looking for somebody to play a harp. Play a harp. Uh, where, where are we going to play the harp at? Well, we need the harp played down at the place where the Ark of the Covenant is going to be. Can you see him? 
You know, it's like the kid in, the, in school. You ask a question, they always know the answer. Whether they know it or not, they know the answer. Obed sticks his hand up. Obed, do, do you play harp? Well, I never have much. I never have much, but, but if it's going to be down there where the power and the presence of God is, if it's going to be down there, I want I to have a part in that. You just put me, whatever it is, if you want me to play that harp, I'll play that thing. But you're already singing. Well, that's a good thing to do. Sing and play a harp. I'm, I, sign me up. I'm ready to go. You say, boy, man, I, I don't see his name in there. Well, just keep looking. In verse number 21, you'll find Obed-Edom's name. He's playing the harp. Well, I'm in chapter number 15 again. Sign me up. I'm a harp player now. I'm a singer now. I'll give you something else. They decided they needed something else. We, we need a little more help. Well, I can see Obed say, just, well, just tell me what it is. Uh, it'll be down dark. Yeah, it'll be down there dark. I'll do it. But Obed, you don't even know what it is. It, it, it don't matter. I'll do it. You see, when God moved in, when the power and the presence of God moved in my home, everything was different. It was so different, you will never understand it until it happens in your home. But Obed, it, it's not a glamorous job. Nobody really pay much attention to you. Uh, it's not anybody's going to bring your name up or anything. He said, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If I can do something for Almighty God, you can sign me up. That's the way every one of us ought to be. I mean, he just snatched us out of hell. He just gave us everlasting life if you've been born again. You're just going to live as long as God lives. You're an eternal being and you will live as long as God lives. And he's given you a new life. Let me tell you, he's redeemed you, bought you back. He's forgiven you of your sins. I mean, we've got nothing to shout about. I mean, we've got nothing really well to say. We shouldn't have a smile on our face and be happy. I mean, God's only give us all of this at the cost of his darling son. What do you need? I need a doorkeeper. Look, if you would, look, if you would, in chapter number 15, down in verse number 23, toward the last part of that verse, verse, you'll find a man's name there. It's Obed-Edom, the doorkeeper. This Obed Ibn's a fanatic, isn't he? I mean, he's a fanatic. He's singing and he's playing the harp and now he's keeping the door. Now he's, he's a fanatic. Well, let me tell you, when God moves in your house, he'll make you a fanatic. There's a little more to do down at the house of God and the Levites went looking again. And if you look in verse number Chapter number 16 and verse number 4, you'll find something else. And he appointed certain of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord and to record and to thank and praise the Lord God of Israel. What, 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 do, you, what do you mean? I mean, they went out looking for somebody that would record that word 
Record means to mention, to remind, to make people to remember. And they said, we need somebody down at the Ark of the Covenant of God to help our people remember what God has done for them, to remember where God brought them from, and to help them remember what God is, all the things God's done for them, and then to praise God. Amen? We need somebody every once in a while in a church that's quiet like this one. I'm from North Georgia, y'all. Every once in a while when I was a kid, boy, that preacher get to preaching. Some of them little white-headed ladies pull out a handkerchief with lace, lace uh, sewed all around it. You know them here once go, whoa! Praise God! The men would jump up and say, glory to God! Hallelujah! We'll scream our guts out at a ball game. Amen! You might as well say, man, I know I'm, I'm preaching right straight down where I'm supposed to be. We'll scream till we're hoarse at a ball game like when Georgia ransacked TCU. <laughs> yes, hallelujah. I was hoarse for three days. We come to the house of God and it's like we ain't got nothing to shout about. That's a bunch of a finger of, of knuckle-dragging guys, amen, carrying an inflated bag of, of uh, air in a pigskin from one end of a cow pasture to another, and we're screaming our lungs out. But when God, when it's preached like this man preached a few moments ago, told us how God saved them people and changed them in the prison house, we sat there like a knot on the log. We should have been saying, thank God, hallelujah. We need somebody every once in a while just to shout on credit. Amen. I know God's going to do something. Woo! Wouldn't that be strange? We need somebody like that. Well, look in verse number five down in the middle of that verse. You'll find a man's name. Did you find it? What's his name? Obed-Edom. You see, when the power and the presence of God moved in the house of Obed-Edom, things changed. He wanted to be involved in anything that had God to do with it. Anything, anywhere, it didn't matter. If you look down in, also in verse number uh, 37, you'll see his name is listed among the porters. A porter is nothing but a glorified janitor. They're out looking for porters. And guess whose name's there in the, in the middle of verse number 37 and the first part of it too. And Obed-Edom. You know what a porter does? It's someone who keeps the house of God clean. It's someone who keeps the chairs lined up, keeps the walls painted where the little fingerprints are. Amen. It's somebody that keeps the toilets clean. It's someone that keeps sure the air condition is on. Someone that has everything stocked and ready to go because when the people of God come in to worship and Obed-Edom says, I'm your man. I'll do it. I'll do it. Can't you hear him? 
You, but, but Obed, listen. Listen, Obed. You, you're singing. You're, you're, you're harp playing. You're keeping the door. You're helping us to record and remember and worship. And now you want to be the janitor? Something's happening down at Obed's house. Things have really changed. I want to wait just a minute. Be sure we don't miss something here. Due to time constraints, we're moving on again. Things have happened down at Obed's house. He's taught his people something. His people have watched him and learned. Things have happened down there. And if you would... Turn your Bibles to chapter number 26, same book, 26. Concerning the division of the porters of the Korhites, and it starts with a bunch of them old, big old long names, and it ain't Joe, Sam, Bill, and Bob, Okay. But you get down to verse number four and look what it says. Moreover, the sons of Obed-Edom were Shemaiah, the firstborn, Jehoshaphat the second, Joah the third, Sychar the fourth, Nathanael the fifth, Amiel the sixth, Issachar the seventh, Bethuai the eighth, for God had blessed him. When I saw this passage of scripture, I don't know about y'all, but my mules like to run off. Do you see what that's saying? That's saying things so changed down at Obed-Edom's house that here are his sons that are porters down at the house of God just like Obed-Edom. Do you understand what's happening here? Do you understand? Let me help you what's happened here. Those boys have seen something in daddy that they want. They've seen something in daddy that made them want the same thing that their daddy had because they've seen how the power and the presence of God affected Obed-Edom and they want to be just like their daddy because they've seen God in him. Oh, that we would ever realize that our children are looking for God in us and we're the only examples many of them are ever going to have to have the power of God and the presence of God in their life. Them boys said, hey, I want what daddy had. Boy, I'm telling you what, that just thrilled my sorry soul. Do you know I've got a, I've got a daughter, her husband's a pastor in Pinellas Park, Florida. I've got a son that, part, that pastors over in Trenton, Georgia. I've got another son. He's, been a, he's a Sunday school teacher, a deacon, a faithful member, a bus driver, whatever else that they need at the church house. I've got another daughter that's a Christian school teacher. Let me tell you something. It pays to have God come home with you. It ain't enough to have him only in church house. It's, you've got to have him at your house too. And the only way you're going to do it is let the power and the presence of Almighty God come in your place. Our children are leaving us because we only see God at church. 
And we say here, church, it'll make a difference in you everywhere. But when it comes time for them to look for God in us, they can't see him. Well, preacher, all I know is I've got a real need. Then tell your children we've got a real need. Get your children around you. Bow on your knees before God and beg Almighty God to do something wonderful for you. And when God does something wonderful for you, you can all shout hallelujah, glory to God, and they'll see that there's a real God in mama and daddy. They'll see that he's real. Oh, I want my child to know that we're, we're in financial problems. It's a good thing for them to know because David said, I was once young, but now I'm old and I've not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. It's wonderful to see when God does something just for you. I don't know what you expected, preacher, but this is what God put on my heart. I was at Tennessee Temple University Trying my best. When I went there, I had two kids and a very pregnant wife. It got down to the point one night. It's hard for me to preach up here. I like to be down there where y'all are at. It got down one night. All we had for supper was banana sandwiches. We set our little old kids around the table on our banana sandwiches. My wife's back there. She can bear me record. We bowed our heads and thanked God for the banana sandwiches. And I told the Lord, I said, Lord, you're the one that called me. You're the one that sent me up here. And I'm up here because you sent me here. And if you can't take care of me in Chattanooga, Tennessee, you'll never be able to take care of me in Haiti. So, Lord, I'm not telling anybody I had a good pastor. If I'd have told him I was in need, he'd have, he'd have turned over everything he could to help me take care of me. I didn't tell him anything. You see, I wanted God to do something for us. I wanted God to do it. I bowed my head. Thank God I said, if I have to get up in the morning and go to school hungry, I'm going to get up in the morning and go to school hungry for the glory of God. If I have to send my little girl off to kindergarten without anything to eat in the morning. I'm going to do it for your honor and your glory because you sent me up here. And I'm trusting you completely. We had our banana sandwiches. We didn't milly mouth around about it. We just told God went on about our business. About 9.30 at night, My wife sitting right back there. I went to open the door. I stood a fellow doing this. He's just digging his toe in the patio in front of the little house. I knew him. Went to school with him. I said, Corky Nichols, what are you doing here this time of the night? He just kept digging. He wouldn't hardly look at me. He said, well, Brother Freed, he said, uh, The Lord told me you needed some groceries. Son, my mule was like to run off. I about did about four or five laps around that little mobile home we was living in. And I said, he did? He said, yeah. He said, I told my wife, I said, let's go. 
We got in the car and she said, where are we going? He said, I said, we're going to go buy groceries. She said, I just bought groceries, not for last. He said, it's not for us. And she said, well, who's it for? And she, she, he said, I told her. And she said, well, we need to call them to see what they need. He said, no, you just buy like they ain't got nothing. Because that's exactly what we had. He started bringing groceries in our house. You tell me that God can, it's too late. You way too late for me. I'm already sold that our God can. And we need the power and the presence of God in our homes where our children can see that we have a God that's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think. And that's exactly what happened with Obed-Edom. He showed his children. Those sons said, I'll tell you what, I want what daddy had. Maybe he didn't let us go to every ball game. Maybe he didn't, we, we didn't know all the functions that happened in our community. But there's one thing that dad, daddy Obed did. That's he took us where the power and the presence of God was at. He took us where we experienced God and knew God. And they said, I want to be just like my daddy. Wait a minute. Hey, something else. Look at verse number four, and it gives all the names for God blessed him. But now wait, let's let's go on down to verse number, chapter number twenty six and verse number eight. And it says, all these are the sons of Obed. They and their sons and their brethren, able men for strength of ser- for, able men for strength for the service, were three score and two of Obed Edom. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying that not only did God touch Obed-Edom and Obed-Edom touch his sons, but Obed-Edom, just wait, I don't know. How many grandpas we got in here? Most blessed thing that ever happened to me is my grandbaby. Amen. It's God's gift to you for not killing your own. (laughs) Fill them with sugar and send them home. Amen. This is saying that not only Obed's sons, but Obed's grandsons saw what Obed had. They said, I want what Pawpaw's got. I've seen something in my Pawpaw. Man, I've seen something in my Pawpaw that's real. I don't want this fake stuff. Just stand up with everybody and hold your hands up and jump up and down the same spot and say you're worshiping God. I want something that's really real that'll go home with you, that'll make it different at the house and make it different at work. It'll make it different everywhere because the power and the presence of God will do that on every one of us. I want what Papa had. One of the most blessed things ever happened to me since I've been breathing. Is one of my little old grandkids every once in a while, one of them will come climb up my lap and say, Papa, I, have, I got something to tell you. 
I said, well, what's that, honey? I just got saved. Son, that'll make you jump up and be, get, be Baptocostal in about two seconds, amen? Now, if I run around here, don't be afraid. I'm Baptist born, Baptist bred, and when I die, I'll be Baptist dead, amen? But I'm not letting the Pentecostal steal my shout. Amen. I remember going to services when we'd praise God and shout hallelujah all, all during the service. And now you get an amen once or twice and you thank God that's why I let God daughter. <clears throat> Christian dads, your kids don't need more things. They need more God. They need to see him real in you. They need to see him when you go and leave them and say, I'll be back in a little while. And they can turn to mama and say, Mama, where's daddy going? Daddy's going out to pray. Amen. Don't let that scare you. He'll meet with you in the prayer closet. Amen. One of the best prayer times I ever had was in an old chicken lot behind my daddy's house. We were going to the mission field. And I turned God on my face and God lit up that place just about. I'm telling you, God was so, so thick you could stare with a stick. How long has it been since God just come down and blessed you? Just for you. I remember I was on deputation for my first term out. I was preaching in Texas. My brother pastored in Texas and got me a bunch of appointments out there and I was going to be gone for six weeks and he told me one day he said would you like to go home I said would I he said I'll pay you away I said I'm gone but I got to be back Sunday because I got appointments to preach he said take off you got three days I drove one day out stayed one day and drove one day back just see my wife and kids but I was coming back driving that little ton truck that he had bought that I was bringing back for him had my little Honda box one of them little old ones there was just about half a car sitting up on the back of that thing and chained down. And I was coming down somewhere through Alabama. And I got to singing. You can tell I can't sing. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm covered though. Joyful noise, I'm all right. I come down that truck and I got to singing and praising the Lord. And I come to myself somewhere in Mississippi. I don't know how I got to Mississippi. I don't know because God come in that truck with me and me and God had a time going down the road. You say, I don't understand that. Just wait till you do. You'll never be satisfied again. Let God come down and just visit with you. Praise his name. I even looked to see if I could see him. He was so real in the front of that truck. You see, when the power and the presence of God, that Ark of the Covenant came into Obed-Edom, Nothing was ever the same for the old bed. If you ever let God come in your house, it may take turning some things off. It may be getting rid of some things. It may be putting your phones down and your iPads down and your television off. And for a little while, get around the Word of God and get on your knees and start praying and asking God. Let Him manifest Himself there in such a way that your children can see that there's a reality in knowing Jesus Christ. Wouldn't you like to have 62 people follow you because the power and presence of God was real at your house? 
I sure would mind. I don't want to lose my kids. I don't want to lose my grandkids. Break my heart. And now, just the other day, I got to meet for the first time my one and only great-granddaughter. Great, I know I don't look like that. I'm that. I understand that. My wife takes great care of me. I had that little old bitty chunk of monkey. I'm telling you what. Beautiful little old thing. Going to be red-headed. Sure as the world, she's going to be red-headed. I hope she's red-headed. <laughs> At the same time, just a few days later, I guess a couple days later, we were all out in the front lawn trying to take a picture. And they said, all right, here goes the picture. Everybody say, Annabelle's pregnant. That's another, that's a granddaughter-in-law. So I got another on the way. I know you can thank me afterwards. You can congratulate me. I really had nothing to do with it, but I'm sure glad I got nothing coming. But I want them to say, there's something different about my papa. My papa knew God. My papa could call down heaven. He could get in touch with God. My papa and mama knew God when they, when they got on their knees and prayed, things happened. Wouldn't you like your grandkids and your kids to know that? Then God's got to go somewhere besides here. As good a pastor as you've got, he's got you what, three, maybe four hours a week? The world's got them from then on. You've got to take them to the house. God's got to move in our homes with us if we're going to save our children. If we're going to save our families, God's got to move in with us. Let me ask you this. Is God real at your house? I mean, is he real at your house? I can't answer that. I don't even know you. But I know God knows you. The hairs of your head's numbered. If God's not real at your house, it's time he got real. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. I'll preach that the Lord give me. Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name you'll take these stammering words that I've tried to preach and the example that we found in the Scripture and touch the hearts of these, your people. I pray that you'd glorify Jesus Christ in everything. And get all the glory and the honor for everything that's accomplished. Father, in this church building, there's many families represented right now. They're represented right, left, and front. Many families. Lord, I pray that they've heard the message and they've received it. I pray that you'd make a difference in their lives and in their homes because of these, tru- these truths that we find in the Word of God. That God would move in with us, not only at church, but at home. Pray these things in Christ's name.